Well, hello, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in to Embodied Astrology for Pisces season. This is your host, Renee Sills, and today is the day that the sun moves into the tropical sign of Pisces. Today is February 18th, 2020. It's about 10 in the morning um, where I am in the Midwest of the United States, and just about an hour, hour and a half ago, um, the the moon in its transit through the sign Capricorn made a nice aspect to Uranus and Taurus. It formed a trine. And I thought this would be a good time to record. So here I am. I'm looking out the window. It's a beautiful sunny day and there's so much snow outside. I've been living in the Midwest since August with my partner who's here to finish a graduate degree and I've never really spent a lot of time in the Midwest before. I'm surprised at how beautiful it is. I was a, um, a person who had a lot of judgments about what I would find, mostly flatness. That's what I was imagining, flatness and cheese. And um, it's so gorgeous here. And the last couple of days, I've been um, really impressed by the way that colors and light just continue to describe the astrological zodiac and its its round, its wheel, its progression. So over the course of the last month, I've been watching the light of Aquarius season, um, really stark outlines of trees. They look like branches of the nervous system um, against these intensely blue skies. And um, the sun has been so radiant and so uh, hot, but it has been so fucking cold outside. And so it's amazing to feel this contrast of this really hot sun being reflected on the snow and the freezing temperatures. And I've been thinking a lot about the balance between Aquarius and Leo as the polarities of uh, cold and hot. And in the last few days, as we've started to move closer into Pisces season, I've watched the light shifting and Yesterday, there was a really big snowstorm, so it snowed all day long, and we live right on the edge of a big lake that is completely frozen over, and so yesterday afternoon, I went for a walk and walked out onto this massive frozen lake, and there was um, no one really around, a couple of people, maybe. <laughs> I probably would have felt scared if there was literally no one around, but I walked out, and the snow was flurrying, and I could look across this lake um, to the the visible horizon, which for me was still upon the lake. That's how thick the snow was. And all I saw was um, obscuration, this kind of incredible light of the afternoon and the evening, the light of dusk uh, getting pink and gray and purple, and this kind of sparkling mutedness of the white of the snow and it was so silent but within the silence the sounds that I could hear were really incredible um, and they seemed to reverberate and resound and come right into my body and the light looked so magical and bizarre and dreamlike and I was thinking god if there's anything that Pisces looks like this is how I imagine it and then today I woke up and it had stopped snowing and it's 
so sunny outside and there's so much snow on the ground and everything is sparkling and that also feels like Pisces. Um, anyway, observing weather and light and feelings are one way to engage with astrology, my preferred way. Um, the more that I learn about astrology, the less I want to use it as uh, a pattern of prediction. Um, that actually feels like it, it closes my mind to think about um, certain signs or planets or aspects meaning such and such a thing and therefore I'm expecting that to happen. That feels like a closure for me and I've been really enjoying thinking about astrology as a somatic score or as a way to sense into the changing uh, light patterns and uh, seasonal patterns and cycles. And of course, where I live is just one place on earth. And I'm so curious to hear from you. So if you happen to be listening and noticing in your own life, the transition between Aquarius and Pisces, what's happening in the light where you are? What do you notice uh, nature doing? What's, what's blooming? What's dying? What animals are coming out and starting to make sounds? And how are you feeling? What do you notice? Astrology is a tool for cultivating our intuition and getting in the flow with our feelings. And I certainly notice that the more that I work with astrology, the more I can hold what I'm experiencing emotionally, mentally, physically, environmentally within a larger context. And it, it's soothing to me. It um, allows me to validate the experience that I'm having and affirm that it is one moment that I'm in a process of evolution and change always, and a kind of feel into some of the greater potentials for what this moment is. And for me, that observance of correspondence is my practice of astrology. Um, so if you are new to the show, if you're just tuning in, or if it's been a while, um, just to remind you that my name is Renee. I'm a consulting astrologer. I work with uh, with clients, with groups of people, um, obviously with myself, with this platform of, of recording podcasts to think about how astrology is a means of support for us in our lives. And again, I think it's a really beautiful language. It is an incredible kind of tool to help contextualize and situate ourselves within a larger whole. And that's how I approach it. I have a almost lifetime long background of somatic practice. And I'm really committed to the work of embodiment. I think that it is the most practical and relevant um, application of my personal energy towards the kind of change that I want to see in the world to do embodiment practices, somatic practices. Um, and embodied astrology is the place where I bring these two things together. I'm also an artist and the the way that I like to think about things is um, somewhat like artists do. I like to turn things around and look at them from different shapes and look for associations and interweavings. So in this show, you're going to hear all of that. In today's episode, I'm going to be looking at Pisces and considering Pisces as an energy. Um, thinking about Pisces season and reflecting on what's happening in the sign of Pisces right now and why it's affecting everyone and, and how it's important for us to be considering its effects. Um, so that'll be part one of today's podcast. And then in part two, I will look at the chart for 
the beginning of Pisces season, the chart for just a, a couple of hours from now when I'm recording, when the sun goes into Pisces tonight. And I'll be thinking about some of the uh, upcoming astrology for the next 30 days of Pisces season. Um, all right, but before I get into that, I'm just going to take a quick break and uh, there will be a brief sponsorship message and then I will be right back with you and we will dive into Pisces. Thanks so much for listening. right I'm back this is Renee in real time recording for Pisces thanks for listening to those sponsor messages Um, I really appreciate you listening and appreciate you sharing this work with your friends and family that is the number one way you can support embodied astrology Um, the sponsor messages that you just heard allow me to make a little bit of money off of this podcast and uh, support the generation of the podcast. And of course, your financial support is also super helpful. Those of you that have donated uh, one time or a couple of times, and those of you who make recurring monthly donations, I just can't express how deeply grateful I am to you for supporting this work. Um, Because of your support, because of your listening, and because of your donations, Embodied Astrology is at a really exciting moment in its evolution. And this is the last month I'm going to be doing the bulk of the work of embodied astrology alone. And that has been the reality for the last six years of doing this project as I've been doing pretty much everything by myself. And it's a ton of of content production and a lot of back-end work that um, nobody sees. Some people might have a and knowing of what it takes to produce a podcast, but there's um, quite a lot of administrative uh, stuff and planning and um, mucking around on the internet. And I'm so excited to um, be able to hire a couple of people, and that is happening now. I'm in the the process of sorting it out um, right now, and so just so you know, when you listen to this podcast, when you share it, when you donate you are supporting um, jobs for people. Uh, They request their own payment. I like to pay people what they request. Um, I have uh, a desire to work with women, with queer people, with POC, and um, that's who I hire. So thank you so much for supporting me and supporting us. I'm really excited for this transition that's coming up. And there are so many things that I want to do with Embodied Astrology. I have so many ideas, and I'm super stoked to have a little bit more time on my hands in just a little bit. Um, You can, of course, continue to help this project evolve by becoming a monthly donor. You can donate at any amount per month, and your regular donations earn you a subscription to um, the Embodied Astrology Extended Forecasts. That includes another recording with the upcoming month's astrology where I go day by day through the planetary aspects and lunar cycles and a printable astro journal so you can uh, follow along with astrology through your own reflections. What I was just talking about a moment ago, how we observe astrology, um, this is the way to learn astrology is by observing it in yourself. You can take classes, you can read books, but the number one way to learn astrology is to watch it happening in real time through your life. So the printable astro journal is one way you can do that. 
monthly subscribers also get discounts and um, a lot of love. So thank you for your support. As always, you can learn more about supporting Embodied Astrology from the links in the show notes or at embodiedastrology.com. All right, everyone, let's dive into Pisces. What is Pisces? It is the last sign in the tropical zodiac. First of all, Pisces is considered to be the place where all of the other signs come together and dissolve into each other and become a big stew. Pisces is the place of everythingness and nothing being separate, nothing being individual. So when we consider Pisces, we have to consider that there is no solidity to Pisces. It is um, a state, it's an eventuality, it is the reality that we live in that there is nothing that's separate. This reality, however, is not a reality that many of us perceive as real, being as we are humans in our bodies, living with our minds and our identities that very much feel separate and that really live quite separately in many ways. We all have very individual experiences and um, the idea that, that we are one and that we are part of something on the one hand is very true, but on the other hand uh, is, is not very true because everybody is having a really different experience and those uh, differences within experience make it incredibly hard to understand or remember our oneness a lot of the time. And yet it seeps in. So let's uh, begin actually by thinking about Pisces within the body as a state of sensitivity and porousness. And this is a constant state. The parts of the body that Pisces has rulership over in medical astrology include your scalp, uh, the soles of your feet, the palms of your hands, your perineum, and your armpits. So take a minute and bring your attention to these parts in your body. Pay attention to your scalp. Feel the soles of your feet and the palms of your hands. Locate your perineum. Sense into your armpits. These are places in the body that seep and leak. Fluid and moisture um, seep out of them, and they are also places in the body that are incredibly porous, and some of them are where we come into quite a lot of contact with the external environment and where we become very affected. So if you think about just temperature, for example, and the top of your head, um, if you're here with me in the Midwest, it's a really good idea to wear a hat when you go outside because it's uh, below freezing most days. And if you don't have a hat on, you are going to lose a ton of your body heat out of the top of your head. And so if you think about just that kind of um, sensation or experience within the body, that this is a place where heat travels out and also where something can be um, permeated and saturated in. When we consider sensitivities in our bodies, we have to consider the interpermeations of our bodies with the world. So temperature is one way to think about those interpermeations. Um, environmental substances are another way to think about interpermeations. Moisture, 
um, chemicals in the air, certain kinds of particles or qualities that we can't see necessarily that aren't particularly tangible in a conscious way, but that really affect us. So some kind of smell that you notice, you know, passing by you can elicit a really strong reaction within the body. And the ways that our bodies are sensitive, of course, exist in an interpermeating, interconnected fashion. Um, and here we are in Pisces season, and there's quite a, a huge and significant outbreak um, of the coronavirus that's um, occurring right now in the world. And that's one way to think about the sensitivities um, of our bodies within the world, that there are pathogens that travel in the air and that we're all susceptible to them. And of course, the state of our internal environments are going to have a fair amount to do with how we're able to process and metabolize these uh, pathogens or toxins. But at the end of the day, we are all affected and we're all sharing space. And so what is occurring within the body and the internal environment of one person easily seeps out and becomes the shared environment and the shared environment easily seeps in and becomes the internal environment. And we are deeply affected. And this feeling of being affected is a very Piscean feeling. And we can be affected, of course, by our environment, um, but we're just as affected by vibes. And that's another way to think about Pisces, our vibes. And so if you think about emotional emanations um, acting not the same, but somewhat similar as uh, environmental emanations, you can think about how the, the mood of a person or a group of people can really affect the surrounding environment. And you've probably had this experience a number of times in your life where you enter some kind of space or you enter the, uh, the company of, of someone or of a group of people and you can feel yourself responding to the mood. And it might not be something that's shared through words. It might not be information that you register in a, a forward kind of mental or conscious way, but it's something that just happens, like your state shifts. Um, I'm thinking about the the experience of, you know, living with other people, which we've all done at some point, and um, the, the ways that we share space with one another have a lot to do with how we feel, and the ways that we can maintain our own internal state have a lot to do with the uh, feelings that exist within our familial or household environments. So when you walk into a room and, you know, your family member or your housemate is really in a mood and you probably really feel it and that does something to you. Now what it does, we don't know. That has to do with your own internal chemistry. So when you experience someone else's mood, are you a person that um, walls off, that shuts down, that goes, oh my god, they're in a mood, I gotta get away? Are you a person that immediately goes into caretaker mode? Oh, they're in a mood. I wonder what's going on. Is it my fault? Maybe I can do something. Are you a person that um, distracts yourself? You know, that that's going to be your internal environment, but you're affected nonetheless. And so this feeling of being affected is very much Pisces domain. It is where we are sensitive and it's where we're porous and it's where we don't have absolute and total control over what we would call the self the state of the self. 
And the experience of Pisces or what Pisces represents in many ways is the loss of self, the loss of personal agency. So I might be in a great mood and I walk into a room where the person that I live with is in a really sour mood. And the way that they talk to me and how they're interacting with me is going to affect my mood intensely, perhaps. And that's not something that I've chosen. Um, I get on the, the subway and I come into contact with some germs and I was feeling fine half an hour ago, but by the time I get home at night, I'm coming down with the flu. That's not something that I've chosen. It's a lack of control and it's the way that our bodies and our beings are constantly in um, a state of submission to our environments and to who and what is around us. So then we have to consider the sensation or the sense of a loss of self, the loss of control. And I think that this is something that all of us uh, can relate to because it's something that is very human in a lot of ways. Um, there are so many things that we might feel ourselves uh, trying to assert in, in terms of the building up and the maintenance of ourselves. So whoever you think you are, what's important to you? What are you trying to do with your life? You are laboring in some way. You're working towards something. You're putting effort into something. Um, now, your efforts and your labor, though they may be effective, they may get you uh, into a lot of the places that you want to be, you have also certainly had experiences where you felt thwarted where you felt your efforts dissolve, where you felt your labor was meaningless, um, where it didn't matter as much as you might have put in, the circumstances around you weren't receptive to the thing that you were trying to do and it couldn't take root, it couldn't manifest. Um, no matter what it is that you're trying to maintain, you know, I can be in the room with my um, housemate that's in a horrible mood and I might really be trying to do my mindfulness practice and focusing on on my good mood right but at a certain point if their vibe is strong enough I might just have to submit <laughs> my reactivity might come out my sensitivity might take over so our efforts our labors our desires for the ways that we want to build ourselves are completely dependent upon what's around us and completely influenced by what's around us and at some point we have to submit we have to surrender at some point everybody is going to experience a loss of agency and this can happen particularly in times of weaknesses so when we fall ill when we're um, young people when we're infants and also when we're old people um, or when we're in in states of of deficiency of some kind and these states are also corresponding to Pisces within the zodiacal language so gestation and um, infancy to a certain extent corresponds to Pisces um, oldness and losing control of the body, losing um, autonomy and agency corresponds to Pisces. Weakness, deficiency, and illness correspond to Pisces. So this is where we lose the sense of uh, separateness and our own individuality, where we must ask for help, where we have to submit, 
where we have to surrender our efforts. We can't hold on to everything. Potentially, we can't even hold on to anything. In these spaces and in these places, uh, we're going to go through um, a, a lot of potential experiences. So let's think about an experience that probably most of us had, which is getting sick. So when you have been affected by your environment in some way, when the environment has come in or when the internal environment has expressed in such a way that you're um, in a state of weakness and deficiency and um, you can't take care of yourself entirely and you are dependent upon other people to help you. Can you think of a time when you experienced something like that? I certainly certainly can. And when I think of those times, I have a couple of different experiences that stand out to me as quite remarkable. So one experience that I can think of is the feeling of, of wretchedness and um, not wanting to be seen, not wanting to be looked at, kind of like hating myself, feeling a state of despair um, and, and just grossness you know, and like, I need help, but I hate that I need help. And I don't want to be seen in frailty or in weakness. Um, so we can think of that as one manifestation that happens with Pisces. And I think there's a fair amount of people that have had that kind of experience too, where, you know, needing help from somebody else just feels awful and we have to turn in towards our own sense of wretchedness and that becomes a predominant feeling. Another feeling that I've had is um, a feeling of deep need, deep neediness and a, a panic that can arise out of that or a sadness or a fear. Um, am I going to be able to get the thing that I need and I, I really need help right now and I can't be here alone and if I'm alone I'm going to die. And this feeling of, I just, I need someone, I need something, I need, I need. And that need is very real. And it completely takes over my body and it creates a feeling of fragility and, and deep sensitivity to um, whether or not someone is able to show up and give me what I need. Another feeling that can arise in those states for me is uh, total love, you know, total appreciation. Oh my God, thank you so much for putting down all the things that you were doing and really um, being here and showing up. And that state in turn can definitely inspire me to give that to other people, um, just to, to take a step out of my own memories of illness. Um, when others in my life have been ill or who have been in a state of need, um, I've uh, sometimes shown up and sometimes not, but certainly in the times that I have, the the memories and the knowing in my own body of what it is to be in a space of need have really motivated me to show up as fully as I can. So think for yourself about experiences that you've had in your life that have seemed like a loss of self, a loss of agency. And consider what kinds of responses you've had and what those experiences have been like for you. And this is some of what Pisces brings up. 
So Pisces, again, is the place of, of everythingness and where everything kind of pools together, where we're very sensitive, where we're permeated, where we're interdependent and dependent. And that state can really highlight the sense of separation that we all feel. And the sense of separation is the sense of being in bodies for moments of time. These bodies are very temporary, as we all know, and our bodies change and they go through a lot of different states of being. And those states of being bring up a whole slew of different experiences. And within those experiences, we can definitely have moments where we feel the the power and the thrill of being ourselves and being individuals. But every single one of us is going to also go through the intense pain and um, fear and unknowing and sense of, of necessary surrender and hopefully also the sense of deep and overwhelming love and and gratitude and amazement or awe that we are not actually separate. So this feeling of separation and non-separation is very much one of Pisces' teachings. And that teaching is that nothing really matters, but everything really matters. So our individual efforts, the ways that we really identify and collect around this notion of self, um, it's such a temporary notion. And even if I die tomorrow, um, it won't really matter. It'll matter to some people and it'll matter for a moment. But in the greater scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. Nothing that I do, nothing that you do really matters that much. Our efforts and our labor, one drop in the ocean right? Just singular little beings spinning around thinking that we're important. Everything really matters. The everythingness that we're all here together in uh, completely shapes the ways that we're going to be situating ourselves and how we're spinning around and how we're directing our efforts. In turn, because we're all part of everything and we all affect each other, everything really matters. And so if I'm in a bad mood and I'm infusing my household with my bad mood and my partner comes home and they become infused with my bad mood, that really matters. It really matters for our other relationships. It really matters for how we're going to feel tomorrow. And that's not to say that I should try and only maintain a good mood all the time. The bad moods can bring about necessary emotional process. But we are affecting each other all of the time. The ways that each of us are um, asserting and exerting ourselves has to do with the greater state of oneness that we're all a part of. And the greater state of oneness that we're all a part of so deeply shapes who we are as individuals. Now, when we can work with this, when we can um, kind of hold it in a space that we're fascinated by these interpermeations and we um, can at least engage with the idea of surrender as a potentially sacred practice, that when I let go of my 
um, assertion of self or my constant need to assert myself and when I can open to something greater, that is uh, an act of worship. It is an act of, of sacred uh, faith just to, to open up, to go, okay, well, there's a whole hell of a lot that I don't know and a whole hell of a lot that I'm not capable of. And I'm very much at the mercy of others and this, this larger environment that I'm a part of. So how can I open my sensitivity? How can I connect? That is, for me, I think in this moment, the gem of, of Pisces intelligence and teaching. And when we can surrender and uh, hold ourselves as uh, one cell within this huge kind of unknown, um, unfathomable vastness of the, the organism that we can call the natural world or that we can call the universe, then what starts to happen is intuition and the psychic organ becomes developed. And this is also the place of Pisces and its rulership within the body is the psychic organ. So what is the psychic organ? Um, I don't know. It has to do with our proprioception, for sure. It has to do with our emotional intelligence, for sure. Um, it may have a lot to do with glandular function and certainly um, certain paths within um, medical knowledge or the esoteric anatomy, such as you might find in Ayurveda or traditional Chinese medicine or other elemental forms, um, position the glands in the head as being very connected to the um, outer world, to the environment, and to other realms or higher octaves of experience. So potentially the pituitary and the pineal glands um, have quite a lot to do with what I'm calling our psychic organ. But I'm going to continue just with this name of psychic organ because I don't really know what it is, but I know that I experience it in myself and I have experienced um, its strengthening and uh, the process of cultivating it, particularly um, over the last decade or so. And in a moment, I'll talk about what's been going on in the last decade, but just to say very briefly that this is the time that Neptune has been in Pisces and Neptune is Pisces ruler. I'll get to that in a moment. So now, over the last decade, I've been working um, quite intently in a very focused way to develop my psychic organ. And what this means for me personally is that I've been working um, in a very focused way with astrology and that's my primary medium for accessing my psychic organ. I've been um, working with embodiment as I mentioned through most of my life and in the last decade I've started to notice that my body is a really sensitive uh, receptor for intuitive information. And it was about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more than that, that I started to recognize that my body was um, picking up a lot of information. And at that time, I was teaching yoga, and I would have this experience of walking by um, a person who was in the class, and um, kind of just out of nowhere, I would get images in my mind of, of certain places in the body, or I would have a really intense um, kind of locational sensation in my own body and then I would just speak to it and I would get feedback all the time that 
oh, it sounded like you were describing my experience. I felt like you were in my body talking about what I was feeling, or I felt like your words entered into my body. And for a while, I just kind of brushed it off. And then at some point, I started to really listen to the feedback that I was getting and put it together with the experience that I was having in my own body, which um, was an experience that seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. So it was not something that I was looking for. It was something that I was arising. And because of the training and the background that I have with somatic practice, um, I believe that the body is incredibly intelligent and that it is actually um, the, the place to go for intelligence with the outer greater world. Because the body is so sensitive, because the body has been formed from the same intelligence that forms rocks and trees and clouds, whatever the DNA or the genetic material or the cellular memory is that exists in my body is not separate from everything else. And this is something that I believe in my mind. And uh, over the last 10 plus years, I've really been starting to feel. When I began to connect um, to these feelings in a curious way um, and to really open up and to go, okay, well, how can I listen more deeply? And what do you, I'm saying you as in this kind of greater um, you of the universe, what do you want me to do with this? What should I do with this information? Why is it coming to me? Um, through that question, through that openness, I started the Embodied Astrology podcast. I started doing um, a, a lot of the things that I'm doing now that have turned into a life path. And I intuitively have followed what my body has told me and also what astrology has told me. And that intuition has opened into something that feels really appropriate for me. It feels like the right path for me to be on. And I notice this all the time with my friends and in my community. I'm so grateful to be a part of a community with a lot of other intuitives and healers. And then I notice this all the time with clients that I work with, that the more that we can open and take a empowered approach to our own sensitivities and lack of control, that there are plenty of things that are fully outside the realm of our own control and that we might feel really affected by. But when we can open to them and really deeply try and listen to what's being told to us, that usually there's a clear path, that there's some um, occurrence that is continuous, that we want to follow. There's a thread that we want to continue to um, move with. And the more that we move with it, the more that we open, the more that we listen, then the more we find ourselves in flow. And to me, this feels very much like Pisces teaching. We have to open to the unknown. We have to deeply listen. We have to trust. We have to have faith. And we have to hold our sensitivities and fragilities as places of great teaching. Now, this is verse uh, versus Pisces' other manifestation, the, the other side of this, which I would describe as um, intense emotional anxiety and a feeling of 
lack of control that leads to a need to control. The feeling of grasping and clutching when we don't know what's going on and it leads to neuroses or it leads to really intense states of, of grief or what we might feel as madness, as hysteria. That that can be the other side of Pisces manifestation because there's so much that we're affected by. There's so much that is outside of the realm of control that it's absolutely overwhelming. And if we feel like we can't have any control in it and we don't know how to surrender or the feeling of surrender leads us to experiences of greater deficiency, less agency, um, etc., then that can really make a person crazy. It can really lead to a lot of um, emotional despair and um, anxiety and neuroticism. And this is very much also a state of Pisces. Um, so we definitely have to cultivate it. And I do want to say that as I'm talking about surrender and listening to my intuition and da da da, I'm also so blessed to be in my life. And I do want to just say that I'm surrounded by circumstances that give me um, a lot of soft spaces to land in. And it's felt like I've been able to take these steps of listening. And I do want to acknowledge that there are a lot of people um, having experiences that are very different than that. And where it really feels um, and absolutely is necessary to um, keep going any way that you can. And that surrender could very much equal death or homelessness or, um, you know, loss of a child or something like this. So I, I want to state that. And then I also want to say that on a subtle level, I believe that what I'm saying is true for everyone. I think that we all have a capacity to develop our psychic organ that for each of us, regardless of our life circumstances and situations, there are ways that we can work with the flow of our lives um, and work to let go of needing to control outcome, that we can align ourselves with more subtle energies, that we can open to mystery, that we can feel our own embodied intuition. And the state of, of listening to intuition is really different than the state of being in a more mental survival type of realm and trying to exert control upon our lives. What we need is to open. We need to, to find faith in something. That is very much Pisces' lesson. It is a lesson of faith. It's a lesson of openness. And it's a lesson of recognition that there is a lot that's outside of our control. And to some extent, at least, we can work with it. Now, finally, this brings me into the idea of the age of Pisces that some people will say we're currently in. So if you think about um, the age of Aquarius, which I talked about in last month's Embodied Astrology episode, as being a time when uh, humanity comes together, when we collectively lift the, the vibration of consciousness, where we learn to collaborate, um, where technologies are developed that allow us to live in a state of global equanimity and peace. These are some of the kind of um, high-level exalted ideas of what the age of Aquarius could be. Um, before we get to the age of Aquarius, we have to, to finish out the age of Pisces. 
in the age of Pisces, um, you, you'll get a lot of different information, but from what I gather, the age of Pisces has um, been about the last 3,000 years. And one of the hallmarks of the age of Pisces is this idea of a savior, of some something, someone, some being that has power and that has the power to make our lives um, pleasurable and, and better and to somehow pick us up and take us out of this suffering, of this state of wretchedness. Um, so... To, to go back to what I was talking about before, how we develop our psychic organ, how we, how we get into the flow of something, for me, it's important that this comes from a place of recognition that I am part of everything. So the cycles that are represented through the language of astrology are one way that I can connect my own consciousness into the greater consciousness that is surrounding me, into the seasons, into the lunar cycles, into planetary consciousness. That's really different than me um, opening up to um, some kind of deity. Now, I'm not trying to knock a deity right now or to say that um, intuition can't come through a, a spiritual figure um, an, an entity of some kind of God. But what it seems can happen really easily when we've externalized the idea of sacredness, when we've made it into a God, and when it's not actually something that we are a part of, that we are connected to, that we're working with, is that then we um, take a, a lack of our own agency for granted and we put all the power on God and the power that we put on God I'll use that name for now even though there are a million names for God you know what I mean the power that we put on God then becomes um, a tool for increasing our um, lack of agency or um refusing to accept <laughs> our agency and we're definitely living in a time where there's um the the predominant messages that have really shaped our world have so much to do with this idea of a savior oh you know if if i just do this or if we do this or if human beings will do this then God is going to be happy, then we're going to get the thing that we want, or God has decreed this thing, and therefore I have the right to do this. Um, and those narratives about what God wants, God being an external figure, have led, in my opinion, to some of the, the worst and most devastating um, possible consequences. The idea that God is outside of us, that is not part of every living being or every living organism, is an incredibly detrimental, hugely toxic um, mind state. That idea has led to persecution of billions of people. It has led to enslavement. It has led to... Uh, pollution and degradation of the earth's resources as a whole. It's led to a view of earth as um, an unwanted space, that this earth is not actually heaven, that heaven is somewhere else. Can you imagine? This earth is so incredibly beautiful and astounding and magical. And yet, because 
of the reality that we live in human bodies and that our human bodies are quite powerless, um, humans have developed this, this myth, this storyline of, oh, somewhere there's infinite life. Somewhere I'm going to have power forever. Somewhere I can keep my agency. And there I'll be beautiful and I'll be healthy and I'll be able to do all the things I want and I'll be living in heaven and I'll have everything that I need. And that story leads to an experience here on earth where earth is just a temporary thing that uh, we, can, we can use it, we can abuse it, we can lose it, it doesn't matter. And the same thing with our bodies and the same thing with our relationships and the same thing with animals and the same thing with plants. There's not a recognition that God is here and God is now and everywhere. This idea of, of saviors, of course, also leads to a savior mentality and the savior mentality of somehow I could have the answer. I could be the one that, you know, delivers you or me or us or those people over there from their wretchedness, from our wretchedness. And that savior mentality that I could have control, right? This is part of the, the delusion of the Piscean state. And again, this is versus the recognition of agency and natural power that we have when we embrace our life circumstance, when we embrace that the body is a temporary state. If we can embrace that the body is a temporary state, suddenly every moment becomes precious. Every relationship becomes um, a once-in-a-lifetime chance. And why would we spend our once-in-a-lifetime chance judging each other or trying to put each other down? That happens when we separate ourselves from the immediate moment, when we say that something is better on the other side and we get totally uh, lost and caught up in our desire to achieve um, what's unreal. So this state of real unreal, something better is on the other side, there's some kind of, of salvation versus now is the moment of magic. Now is the moment that everything is unfolding exactly um, the way that it should be. And I can participate in this as an active agent of creativity. Um, that to me is Pisces, is the lesson of Pisces and the Pisces state. So those are my ideas for the moment of what Pisces is, how I'm sensing Pisces, and I want to invite you to reflect on these ideas for yourself. Um, consider where you feel fragile, where you feel sensitive, your experiences of, of loss or lack of control, where you have to open to the inevitable, where you have to open to the unknown, to something that's greater. Um, consider experiences you've had of, of wanting something to save you, this hope that something bigger, something greater is is out there and that you can connect to it. Consider experiences you've had in connecting to it. Um, experiences you might have had where you yourself want to be a savior, where you think that you might have some kind of omnipotent control and what uh, happens for you in that space and, and what it leads to. Um, and of course, consider your intuition and the development of your psychic organ and how um, 
you respond to that idea and where you feel it or where you feel your, your intuition is or how you can cultivate it. Now, I mentioned a couple minutes ago that Neptune is in Pisces and that I was attributing some of the development of my own intuition to this placement. And I think that a lot of us have been. So Neptune is the modern planetary ruler of Pisces. And when a planet is a ruler of a sign, you can think of that planet as an actor of that sign or as an emissary of that sign. And what it does is it brings the qualities of that sign into experiences and into um, actions and needs that need to manifest in some way. So with Neptune in its home sign, the qualities of, of Pisces get bigger, they get more pronounced, and we experience increasing sensitivity, we experience increasing intuitive or psychic capacities, we experience increasing uh, sense of loss of self or loss of agency, we experience increasing interpermeations and interconnectedness. Neptune has been in Pisces since 2011. It's an outer planet, has a really slow orbit, about 160 years around the sun, and it will be in Pisces until 2026. So think back in your life to 2011, what was happening for you then, um, what has happened in the last nine years or so, and especially consider these states that I've been talking about, um, your own sensitivity, your own fragility, your uh, need for connection with something that's greater, um, the kinds of emotions that come in when you feel loss or, loss or lack of control. Now, since Neptune has been in Pisces, of course, the issue of um, environmental urgency is not a new issue, but it is something that is taking up more and more um, attention and uh, consciousness because of the great need that there is to bring attention and consciousness to the state of our shared environment. So in these last um, nine years, one of the ways that I see Neptune and Pisces is the state of the oceans and the news of um, what's happening in the ocean. Now, just around Neptune's entry into Pisces in March of 2011 uh, was the Fukushima disaster. And Again, this is not the beginning of uh, the ocean being polluted and certainly not the beginning of the ocean polluted by radioactive waste, but this is the beginning of what I would say is kind of more of a um, like popular consciousness awareness of the death of the oceans that is happening now. So since 2011, and especially in these last couple of years, we've had a lot of news about uh, coral reefs dying, about plastics in the ocean. And if we think about Pisces and the interpermeation of everything into everything, this is such an uh, incredible example, really. Um, these plastics, these kind of um, micro beads, is that what they're called? Micro particles of plastics that break down from all of our various plastic instruments and devices and tools and waste and are now becoming um, con continuous within the uh, water system. And so we can't remove these plastics. They're everywhere. They're completely saturating the water and therefore completely saturating the atmosphere. Um, if we think about the uh, this, the state of environmental emergency that we're in right now, and we think about Neptune and its placement um, right now 
kind of just moving through the middle of Pisces. And um, when I talk a, a little bit later on about the way that the, um, the planets are interacting with each other, one of the things I'll talk about is the relationship between Neptune and Pluto. And before I really get into um, speaking specifically to that, I will say that there is a relationship right now between the environmental death that we're um, experiencing and undergoing and also responsible for creating and this transformative potential that we find ourselves in at the moment where we really do have to transform um, our consumption patterns and the ways that we live and, and work and act upon the world. Um, and certainly this is rising in consciousness at the moment and hand in hand with that rise in consciousness, I think is a rise in sensitivity. And so many people are experiencing increased environmental sensitivity. And I don't know about you, but the amount of people in, in my life who experience autoimmune um, disorders or illnesses and chronic illnesses that have to do specifically with environmental sensitivity is increasing significantly. I work with a lot of people that have environmental sensitivities, and I can say that for every single one of those people, um, the correspondence of their environmental sensitivity with something that has to do with Pisces, um, the 12th house, Neptune as a planet, Pisces as a sign, or the Pisces-Virgo axis is remarkable. And if you're an astrologer and you follow that, then ch check it out with your own community and the, the people that you know who are sensitive to their environments. And one thing that I've learned from being close with several people who have extreme environmental sensitivities is the power of their, um, uh, of their spiritual path within working with their environmental sensitivities. And I personally have not experienced this kind of environmental sensitivity, um, but I've experienced other kinds of sensitivity that feel similar in some ways. But what I've noticed um, is that those in my life who are really finding resilience in these paths are those who are embracing these paths as their sacred path, as their spiritual path. And so I've watched them go through these these states of being that um, you know first there's the sensitivity there's the fragility there's the deficiency and the weakness what's happening to my body things are falling apart I have no control then there's a state of um, kind of emotional anxiety and the the need to control the need to figure things out the uh, neuroticism the clutching the grasping the fear the grief uh, then at some point there's a surrender. This, this thing is big. I don't know how it works. It works on many different layers all at the same time. People who have autoimmune stuff going on, it's like there's no, there's no location for it. There's no one thing that is creating the state. It's the entire um, interweaving complexity of the body in its interweaving um, environmental complexity. There's, there's nothing to pick at. There's nothing to grab. And so then treatment has to be a holistic experience. Yes, you do all the things, you take the medicines, you do the practices, but really the internal state of consciousness becomes one of the, the main avenues for healing. And this is what I keep seeing 
um, in, in my friends and with my community who are working with environmental sensitivity and autoimmune and chronic illness is that they are some of my biggest spiritual teachers, these people in my life. They continue to teach me um, how to be present with sensation as it arises, how to recognize anxiety as it comes up, how to recognize the, the desire for control as it comes up, how to keep oneself from fully buying into this feeling of a need for control or feeling of a lack of control, to open to the inevitability of process, to recognize the agency within oneself, to regulate the emotional state, and the recognition that the emotional state has a lot to do with how the physiology is going to respond. And so these teachers of mine, these, these friends, these people in my community are showing me all the time that the more that they work with their own emotional regulation, their own mindfulness practices, their connection to, um, to spirit, to their own intuition, the healthier they get and the happier they become. They're not in a state of um, restless anxiety and neuroticism trying to control what can't be controlled. That doesn't mean they're not having symptoms or they're not feeling ill um, sometimes or even quite a lot of the time. It means that they're simply developing a practice of listening to their bodies, of not trying to escape it, of recognizing that there's teaching, of recognizing the opportunity of this teaching to bring them closer to their intuition and environmental congruency. Now, I don't know about you, and I certainly don't know how this is landing for you, and if you're a person who's listening, who's experiencing environmental sensitivity or chronic illness, I'd love to hear from you, and I would love to hear about your experience, and um, when did it start, and what's been happening for you since 2011? Do you work with astrology? Do you notice um, the corresponding placements being triggered in your chart? What do you notice? And what has the teaching been for you? How are you working with these experiences? Another way that I can see Neptune and Pisces is um, through the kind of increasing sense of, of loss of self that it seems like is this big kind of world story that's, that's bubbling up. And um, a, a lot of these cries for for nationalism you know and this idea of like who we were and who we used to be and what we stand for and we got to get it back to the way that it was this this longing for something um to exist that was always a figment always a mythology um and the way that the idea of an actual identity or a sense of self, this kind of constructed narrative of national identity or race identity or something like that, um, leads to really extreme uh, sense of separation. And that sense of separation leads to devastation, right? And so this goes back to what I was talking about with Pisces and this idea of, you know, saviors or saviorism, something better is on the other side, you know, there's some decree from God that it's going to be like this, and we have to get there. And here's this idea of purity, or um, the, the mythology of, of, I don't know, some kind of elevated state, um, then this leads to strife, this leads to suffering. This leads to separating um, from the actual environmental whole, from the complete whole. 
And any of these movements for identity separation, whatever it is, you know, white nationalists um, wanting to create some kind of white-only utopia or um, people with a lot of money wanting to insulate themselves from the, the poverty of the world and from those who are not uh, economically privileged, whatever that, that instinct towards separation is, it is going to lead to suffering. There is no way around it. It will, it will not not lead to more battle, to more struggle over resources, to um, more hardening and extremity. It can't not lead there. There is no way that the strengthening need to assert individuality will not lead to conflict. And again, this is part of Pisces' message. We are all in this together. If we want happiness, we have to work for the happiness of one another. If we want peace, we have to work for the peace of one another. Now, this increasing sense of a loss of self, um, it, we'll see where it gets us, you know, and sometimes um, it, it takes war and it takes disaster and it takes losing everything um, to wake up to the actual reality of continuity and oneness and you know this sublime moment that is right now you know it's that's what I was talking about a moment ago where when we stop the the myth of something that's going to save us we recognize that we're the ones to save ourselves when we stop hallucinating the idea of heaven as some eventuality then we recognize that heaven is right here on earth and that we ourselves are the ones who are creating hell and hellish conditions by not seeing it. Now, the last time Neptune was in Pisces um, was 1847 to 1861. And these were some uh, really important years leading up to the Civil War in the United States. Um, as usual, when I do embodied astrology and I reference history, I always just want to say I'm not a historian. And um, I don't know what's going on in the rest of the world so much and that was something that was remarkable that stood out to me as the last transit of Neptune through Pisces because something so similar is happening now and it's a lot of the similar um, themes right this uh, kind of white supremacy capitalism <laughs> patriarchy that is rearing up that's wanting to defend itself that's wanting to um, uh, exert its own control and quote-unquote, save its power or its purity. And this is leading to intense division within the uh, shared whole. And it is um, already happening that the United States is in a civil war. And I don't know uh, about you. I mean, when I check in with the news and um, really try and pay attention to what's happening, it doesn't really seem like we're coming together right now. It seems like a moment of um, more and more intense striation and separation. And there's a very good chance that this is going to lead to, to war. And in many ways, this is already leading to war, even if it's not explicitly stated and uh, explicitly um, within the, the United States as a, as a body. Um, the war is already happening. The war is around the world and the war is internal and the war is within the, the systems that are existent within the United States, such as the incarceration system, the education system, medical system, etc. So we'll see where this goes. Um, 
again, you know, from, from my perspective, astrology is something that we can work with. And one of the ways that we can work with this, um, or for me, how I see the potential of working with this is to work with my own, um, binary thinking and and the polarity that comes up in me when I encounter people who I think are bigots, who are racist, who are sexist, who are classist, whatever, um, and the way that I want to polarize against them. And for sure, Pisces has a, a lot of association to martyrdom and when we give ourselves to a cause and one of the questions I sit with in myself all the time is when do I give myself for my cause um, how do I give myself for my cause and does that giving of myself um, manifest as resistance or rebellion to someone else or to a group of people and to my own separation from them to my hatred or anger at them um, and or how do I include compassion? How do I include remembering that Mitch McConnell was a baby once and probably has a lot of vulnerabilities and fragilities that I can relate to as another human being and he's not purely a piece of shit? How do I integrate that in myself and does it do any good for me? I think it does some good at least for my own internal state of well-being because I myself do not want to be in a state of extreme separation. When I'm in a state where I'm uh, externalizing uh, an enemy and I'm going, I fucking hate you, I hate everything that you stand for, um, I want to destroy you, it's easy for me to get into that state when I think of Mitch McConnell, um, it produces anxiety in me. It produces agitation, it produces rage and toxicity, and I personally don't want to be in that state, and I don't think that it's helpful to the people that I'm around for me to be in that state. At the same time, um, it, I don't particularly find it helpful to um, do the thing that I've uh, seen a lot come up in spiritual communities where it's like, okay, well... You know, every, everybody is uh, somebody and um, let's hold compassion for everyone and we're just going to kind of hold things all on the same level and try and have this, this kind of like altruism or unruffled equanimity everywhere. Um, and that in turn then becomes a spiritual bypassing of the reality um, that this person or these people are creating an immense amount of suffering that rage is an appropriate response. So for me, I'm holding both of those ideas. How do I exist in a state where I can recognize um, my own response, but also how do I take care of my state so that I don't become what perpetuates even more extremism? So for me, this is the lesson of Neptune and Pisces, is we have to include ourselves in the everything. We have to see the continuity um, and the affect of energy between us. We have to recognize where energy doesn't feel good, and that includes recognition externally and internally. And we have to participate in generating um, and responding to energy that does feel good, that does feel healing. And this is where um, the idea of cultivating the psychic organ and attuning to our sensitivity as intelligence becomes really important.
So the increasing psychic capacity that I mentioned a while ago when I was talking about um, Neptune and Pisces and my own intuitive development is something that I'm witnessing happening all around me in the last 10 years. Um, there, there was a while where as the child of astrologers and intuitives, um, I felt really isolated. I felt like most of the friends that I had and the people that I was around, um, I would talk about astrology and I would get brushed off or people would kind of like, they'd be interested, but um, not that invested. And that's really changed in the last 10 years. Now, um, everywhere I go, people are working with astrology um, they're really attuned to it. I'm meeting more and more people like myself who've been obsessed for a long time or working with their own divination practices for a long time. And they also used to feel like, um, you know, the only one. And now we're co collectively kind of amplifying our voices. And there's such an incredible movement of intuition and embodiment and magic that's happening. And to me, this is also Neptune and Pisces, and this is the effect of Neptune and Pisces. And during Neptune's last transit through Pisces, 1847 through 1861, this was um, kind of the rise of spiritualism in the United States, and at least in the Western world. And spiritualism is a um, non-religious practice of connecting with spirits connecting with the dead, um, having seances, reaching through the divide to um, speak to or to channel uh, the spirits of those who have passed, and potentially to connect with spirits um, who are representatives from other realms, so angelic beings or um, something akin to that idea. Now, it seems to me that this is something that's happening now, that a lot of us are having experiences where we feel the presence of some kind of otherworldly or spiritual um, entities or entity, and we can connect to them. We can connect to it through our chosen practices, astrology, tarot, um, meditating, ancestral work, dancing, singing, whatever it is, there are a lot of people who are developing their intuition and their psychic capacities. So that's another place I would love to hear from you. So if you're listening and you're going, yep, uh, that's been my experience or no, what are you talking about? <laughs> Let me know. Um, all right. So then the, the last thing that I want to talk about with Pisces is Mercury's retrograde. And Mercury stationed retrograde two days ago on February 16th, and it will travel retrograde until March 9th when it turns direct. Um, that's also the day of the Virgo full moon. And Mercury will complete its shadow period. Um, and that's the, the amount of time that it needs to get back to the place in the sky where it was when it turned retrograde on March 30th. Mercury retrograde is a phenomena. It's a apparent or visual phenomena that we experience here on Earth because our experience here on Earth is that everything is traveling around us. So the sun is moving in the sky, the planets are moving through our sky, and here we are and everything is being um, performed for us 
and we are the center of the universe. Now, of course, the sun is the center of the solar system and the earth is orbiting around the sun and so is Mercury. But because of the difference in our position and speed, um, what happens three times a year is this phenomena called Mercury retrograde, where from our point of view here on earth, um, Mercury appears to slow down in the sky and then um, turn backwards and its, its motion um, goes the opposite way from what it normally does. And during the retrogrades are what are called um, inferior conjunctions to the sun. And so during every retrograde cycle, Mercury will um, kind of pass through the, the light of the sun and for several days it will be obscured by the light of the sun. And before it, it passes through the sun, um, Mercury will be an evening star, and then after it will be a morning star. And then Mercury will turn direct, and then at some point it's going to again kind of appear to, to catch up with the speed of the sun. It will spend several days being obscured by the sun, and then it will um, reappear as an evening star. Mercury's cycle within the astrological language can be represented in uh, different phases. And the particular phase that we're in at the moment of this recording is the phase between Mercury's station retrograde and what's called Mercury's inferior conjunction with the Sun. And we're moving into that conjunction um, on February 25th, so in about a week from uh, the date of this recording. So this particular period of time is a time that we can consider the archetype of Mercury as the mental aspect. Um, you can think of the mental aspect as your inner narrator, as the part of you that is able to um, intake, digest, metabolize information, make sense of things in your life, and to make sense of your internal state for your life, i.e. communicate. Um, this is Mercury's function. So intaking information, making sense of information, and then communicating with others, um, enacting the information that you've perceived somehow out into the world. Now, during the phase that we're in right now, um, the, the symbolism of this time is that the mind has started to move um, backwards or inwards, and that the mind is being obscured by some kind of of greater consciousness, the light of the sun. And we are in a, a phase where Mercury is in Pisces. So the, the state of the mind is already dreamy, um, hazy, not really sure of itself as a self. The mind is very impressionable in Pisces. Um, so when I was talking about all things Neptunian and Piscean, um, the, the feeling of a lack of control, the feeling of unknowing, strong sensitivity, connection to intuition, um, these are all experiences that could very well potentially be heightened during Mercury in Pisces. And with Mercury retrograde, we can um, view this period of time as the mind needing to reorient itself in some way. Now, depending on how you responds to this kind of sensation. This could be a feeling of total frustration and confusion and mental block, or this could be a time of um, quite sublime 
uh, openness and dreaminess or um, strengthening intuition. And there could be any kind of oscillation between those two states and um, anywhere in between. But for the next couple of weeks, from now until March 9th, Mercury will be traveling retrograde. And over the course of the next days, it's moving into its inferior conjunction with the sun. And during this time, it's important that we um, allow old narratives to dissipate. So we're um, increasingly aware of old stories coming up. There may be awareness of old patterns or ways of thinking that arise. And then this sense of frustration or confusion that th those patterns and those ways of thinking are not accurate any longer. They don't click anymore. We have to let them go. And during that time, it could feel really confusing. Well, what are the new ideas? And what do I think about this thing? And nothing is making sense. So we have to be able to just sit with that confusion, with that unknowing, with an open mind. And it's really helpful here if we have some kind of practices, um, astrology included, somatic practice definitely included, to connect with um, a, a greater picture, a greater story, a greater whole. Um, the, the mind is really instinctual at this moment and intuitive potentially but definitely instinctual and so when we're in a place of not knowing it's very easy for us to default to what is reflex and to what is habit and so a little bit of a caution particularly for these next um, 10 days or so is try not to let survival mentality take hold so if you're in a state of confusion you feel like you don't know what the fuck is going on um know that it's going to pass. This is a state that, um, you know, on, on a big scheme of things might never pass because human life doesn't make sense. But on a smaller, more personal um, scheme, you're going to find your way into some space of greater clarity. And there's a, a strong instinct mechanism that could take hold in these next couple of days. And be on the lookout. Try and be aware of when your instincts feel very habitual, when you're noticing that you want to do the same things. I had an experience um, yesterday where I heard myself speaking a story that I have spoken for years now about the way that I am in relationships. And hearing myself speak that story was so boring. It was so frustrating and sad to feel like, oh God, this same story, this is still the story that I'm speaking. And that's kind of the, the feeling that I'm talking about with Mercury Retrograde is we want to notice when the stories that we've spoken forever come up and when we default into them and try to stay in a space where we're curious instead. Um, don't let the survival mentality take hold. Don't let the, the habitual mindset take hold. This is an incredible opportunity in these um, next week and a half or so to let a new idea come in. And in order to do that, we have to be curious. We, we don't want to be rigid and clutch to something. We have to allow ourselves to be in a state of unknown and to be in a state of shift. And particularly because we're in Pisces season and because Mercury is in Pisces, there will be feelings that need to be expressed. And so if you're in a state of confusion, let the feelings come out. It's really scary to feel confused. It's really scary to feel frustrated, to not know what's going to happen, to feel like your efforts are futile. Um, 
let yourself feel those feelings. Don't try and control them. This is one of Pisces lessons. Um, sometimes we just have to totally let go of control. We have to surrender and submit to the feeling of what it is. But if we can do that without attaching or identifying permanence to the feeling, then we've got a good opportunity to cultivate new emotional intelligence, um, a new neural pathway that is based on um, intuitive process, on allowing ourselves to trust something new, showing ourselves that when we trust something new, there can be um, a, a good outcome. So we want to trust the process right now and allow things to dissolve and then reform. Um, so over these next couple of weeks, that is the space that we're in with Mercury retrograde. So March 9th um, is the day that it turns direct, and then Mercury will be traveling direct until the 30th. And those um, three weeks or so between the 9th and the 30th are a really important time to pay attention to. That's the time in particular when we want to set new patterns into place, when we want to use our minds to... Um, kind of bring awareness to old patterns as they arise, to our intuition, to our ability to, um, to, to work with ourselves, to the sensations that come up, and then to make new choices. So to work with Pisces and to work with Pisces season and everything that I've been talking about with these influences, with Neptune and with Mercury retrograde, check in with your own natal chart. Look to see what house Pisces rules in your chart, what the themes of that house are. And each house has different kinds of themes, different areas in your life that are being affected. And then apply what I'm talking about to those themes. Um, in your audio horoscopes for Pisces season, I go over some of uh, what was occurring to me when I was recording your horoscopes in ways that you might be experiencing these themes. So check those out, check them for your sun and your rising sign and see what resonates for you. All right, so I am going to take another brief pause and then I will be back with another uh, last half hour or so where I look at the chart of the moment for the sun moving into Pisces and important moments or astrological aspects to keep in mind for the upcoming 30 days. All right, back again, and I've got the chart for the sun's entry into Pisces pulled up. So again, the, the sun is moving into Pisces today and tomorrow, so the 18th and the 19th of February, depending on where in the world you are. And as the sun moves into Pisces, it is moving into conjunction with Neptune and Mercury, as I um, mentioned before. So over the course of the next 30 days, the influences of Mercury retrograde and Neptune in Pisces will become stronger as the sun brings more and more emphasis and awareness and consciousness to these themes. When the sun comes into Pisces, it immediately forms uh, sextile aspects with Mars and Capricorn and Uranus and Taurus. Now, Mars has just entered Capricorn um, a couple of days ago. Mars moved into Capricorn the same day that Mercury turned retrograde on February 16th. Mars is considered to be exalted in Capricorn. This is when a planet is functioning really strong. Mars likes to be in Capricorn. Mars is an energy that is um, assertive, that's forceful, that does really believe in the notion of self. And Capricorn is a sign that loves to work for ambitions and aspirations and that has a, a desire to manifest. And so with Mars and Capricorn, 
Capricorn, some of the things that we might want to think about are the ways that we apply our own personal agency to long-term projects, and particularly to projects that have to do with ambition and um, interaction or participation with the larger structures in the world. Um, now, the, this could have to do with a lot of different themes in your life. So again, check out the uh, audio horoscopes for Pisces season to get a little bit more of an idea of what I was thinking about for your sign or work with your own astrological intelligence and, and come up with those ideas. Now, a sextile aspect is a 60-degree aspect, and this is considered to be a um, lending and friendly and productive aspect. It can get things moving. So as the sun moves into Pisces and it forms a sextile with Mars, we have motivation, we have inspiration for action. This is one of the things that um, occurs to me. Now, because we are in Mercury retrograde season and Mercury in the center headed into conjunction, one of the um, possible cautions is there could be a lot of ideas and a lot of motivation and enthusiasm at this time, but we really don't know what the outcome is going to be and we need to give um, appropriate time and process to um, whatever it is that's occurring right now. So if you're feeling really enthusiastic, um, follow that enthusiasm, allow yourself to be inspired. But if you have urgency around taking things into action right away, check that urgency out. If you've been working on something for a really long time and you feel 100% good about where you are and you feel really intuitive and uh, connected, follow that. But if there are new ideas that are coming up and you're getting this kind of urgency around, okay, I need to take action or I need da da da, wait. If, if you feel any kind of sense of internal um, tornness or division inside of yourself, or if you particularly if you feel a sense of urgency. And I think that that's one of the um, kind of key words for the possible manifestations of this aspect. You want to pay attention. Um, there's definitely the possibility that we are um, acting from a place of incomplete information and that the urgency is actually a symptom of the incomplete information and we need to just pause and feel it out for a bit. Now, this is true also because of the aspect that Mars is making to Uranus. And so that aspect is a trine. Um, Mars trine to Uranus is a, a kind of amazing potentiality. It's, it's a lot of energy. And um, Mars will perfect its trine to Uranus on the 21st of February. So for the next couple of days, if you happen to be listening to this um, soon after I record, there is, again, a, a lot of inspiration for, for movement and for momentum. Uranus and Taurus is a slow-moving transit, similar to Neptune and Pisces, though it takes um, about half as long to travel through the zodiac. It'll be in Taurus for about um, six, seven more years. And this influence is uh, supporting us to make big changes and specifically to make changes in the ways that we have uh, maintained long-term habits and patterns, specifically habits and patterns to do with our attachments to things being the way that they are, and potentially very specifically to attachments to money, um, to home, to regularity, to stability, um, and to sustenance, to, to resources, to food, to, to um wealth or accrual or accumulation or something like that. 
so as we move into these next 30 days, um, Mars making its, its trying to Uranus and the sun uh, making sextiles to them both, this signifies a, a period of time that we're moving into where we feel that there are changes that we're ready to make. We know what a lot of them are. But again, we're in this period of needing to let things go before we can move into um, these, these new changes that we foresee and maybe even have a very good sense of what they're going to be on the horizon. The period of time that we're in for the next 10 days to two weeks is a period of time that is uh, a letting go phase. Um, Pisces season starts um, in the waning moon, almost into the balsamic moon. So this is a, a closing cycle. This is a symbol of things fall apart things dissolve. They move into the unknown. We have to let them go. And then through the letting go, something is going to be reformed. However, where we are right now, we already have a lot of the impressions, the ideas, the inspiration, the motivation for how something will reform. And we want to be careful to not um, jump the gun, as it were, to not go off half cocked. Uh, let yourself really sit with any unknown that is presenting itself to you, let things kind of dissolve and turn into goo and trust that over the course of the next month, there's actually going to be quite a lot of movement and uh, understanding of how we want to move forward and put things into action. Um, the sun sextile to Uranus represents to me um, a, a growing openness to change and to the eventual um, an inevitable change. We know that it's on the horizon and our lives are already changing. We already feel it and we want to participate with change so that the, the changes are not fully um, imposed on us, as it were. That's not the, the sensation that we have, but more that we are connecting ourselves, as I mentioned before, with the everything, that we are doing what we can to connect with the inevitability and with the unknown um, so that, that we can work consciously with the changes that come into our lives and that we can make conscious choices around what changes we want to see in our lives. As the sun moves through Pisces over the course of the next 30 days and as Mercury um, completes its retrograde as it moves backwards and then turns direct and moves forwards. Um, both the sun and Mercury, and here we've got the figures of, of consciousness, the sun, vitality, what is being illuminated, and Mercury, what's happening in the mind and the mental aspect, how we're making sense of things. Um, both of these figures are working in sextile to um, what's happening in the earth signs, um, specifically Capricorn and Taurus. So the sun I've already talked about being uh, sextile to Uranus and Taurus. Mercury will be moving into this aspect over the course of the next few weeks, and uh, it will be in sextile when it stations direct on March 9th. And here we've got Mercury being in a really open and suggestive space. There is so much opportunity this month to... Um, move into a new mental space. And here I'm really thinking about the ways that we can cultivate emotional intelligence and intuition. Um, so 
one way that you can take advantage of the astral weather over the course of Pisces season um, is to do some of what I've already talked about and what I will talk about in just a little bit. Um, these kinds of practices where we are simply just attuning, where we're doing work to come into a space of present moment awareness, um, dropping planning, dropping theorizing, dropping ruminating, and just really trying to pay attention to what is now and what's present because there's a lot of changing circumstance at the moment. There are changing environmental circumstances, economic circumstances, personal circumstances, etc. And none of us are in control of these larger circumstances that are happening. So we want to be as present as possible so that we can respond in a way that is integrated and aligned. Mercury and the sun will also be um, in sextile to some other planets uh, in Capricorn. So at the moment we have Jupiter in Capricorn. We also have Pluto and Saturn in Capricorn. Um, throughout the course of the month, the, the sun will be moving into um, sextile, as I mentioned, with these planets and moving into its conjunction with Neptune. And the aspects that the sun is making um, in Pisces season are for the large part um, soft aspects and helpful aspects. They are aspects that speak to the ability to let things go, to let things happen, to not try and control, um, but to allow something to flow. Now, this definitely could be experienced as inability to control what is happening and simply needing to submit to larger circumstances as they happen. And um, hopefully there's some capacity to within um, those experiences to reach out, to connect with some kind of greater community, to connect with some kind of greater faith, to reach inwards, to connect with one's own sense of sacredness, to one's own sense of spirit, and to move through times that are challenging for a lot of people. I think that there's quite a lot of suffering right now. And um, one way to consider these sextile aspects, especially with Pluto and with Saturn, is that um, shit's going down. So things are happening over the course of these next 30 days. And there may be a feeling of, um, okay, well, this has been building for a long time. And, and now it's happening. And particularly as the sun moves into its conjunction with Neptune, which is on the 8th of March, uh, the day before the Pisces full moon, um, there may be a, a lot of things being released. Now, my hope um, for myself and my hope for anyone who's listening and for everyone in the world is that what's getting released are um, circumstances, relationships, ways of being that are not useful um, and that this doesn't have to be um, an experience that's, that's intensely focused on suffering. Um, however, there's so much suffering in life. And so I know that these experiences uh, are arising and will arise. And I do want to say that, again, one of Pisces' biggest teachings and biggest lessons is that there is some kind of greater continuity. And as we let go, the potential is that there is openness to the sublime. And what the sublime is, is a mystery. Um, it's certainly a mystery to me right here, right now, sitting in a sunny room and recording on a computer. Um, there's so much that's unknown. 
on the other side of loss. And for anyone who's going through experiences right now where you're really feeling scared and you're feeling alone and you're feeling a lot of loss, um, I, I want to reach out and um, extend love to you and deep, deep hope that this moment is actually going to unfold into um, a, a greater moment of connection and a greater moment of faith for you. And I also want to say that um, some of the ways that I could definitely understand, understand these aspects as they're forming are um, consciousness of the need for greater empathy and connection for all of us to remember that everybody is really in a state right now. I don't think it's possible to be even half conscious on the face of the planet and to not be um, totally terrified. And we can keep that terror at bay by distracting ourselves with the needs of our daily lives for sure. Um, but that terror is still there. There's still a deep sense of unknown. There's a deep sense of unrest within our human community. And so as we connect with each other, let's try and remember that as much as possible that people are going through a lot. And each of us as we're going through something um, are not alone. As the sun moves into sextile with with Jupiter, with Pluto, and then with Saturn, we have influences um, in the larger world that are really starting to affect our sense of agency and also the sense that we have of being active agents of our own inspiration in the world. My hope for you is that this season brings a lot of awareness about the ways that you can participate in the changing circumstances of your life and in taking um, more power and empowerment through your connectivity and through gathering um, increasing empathy and intuition. As we begin the, the month of Pisces season, Jupiter and Neptune will also be in strong sextile and that sextile perfects on the 20th. So just two days from now, and this is something that I talked about, I think, in all, in all of the horoscopes. This is a really significant aspect. This is an aspect that is um, really strong, and that means the same degree from the 17th through the 21st. Um, that means that it's been applying for the last couple of weeks and pretty much throughout the entire year of 2020, this aspect um, continues to be in play. And so Jupiter will um, form an, uh, another two sextiles with Neptune over the course of 2020. And this is the first one. So again, the sextile is a lending influence. It kicks things into gear. It helps things to happen. Jupiter in Capricorn is a symbol of, um, of agency and of learning and also of kind of the inevitability um, of something, of things getting to a, a critical point where they absolutely have to change and where we recognize that they have to change and when we start to participate with their changing. Jupiter in sextile with Neptune is part of this recognition. Um, the recognition that there are many things that are outside of our control, there are many things that are within the locus of our control, and that there are ways that we can work between these, um, these two truths, that we've got control over some things and no control over other things. So how do we want to be in our lives? And over the course of 2020, we are really in a, a transition time. And this is something I talked a lot about in the Capricorn season episode, Breakdown to Breakthrough. This is a year that is a threshold for us. We'll make changes as a, a human 
um, family, as a global community over the course of this year that are incredibly important when it comes to uh, what our shared future is going to look like. And I mean shared future on this planet. So over the course of this next 30 days, um, notice what is really starting to propel you, what your momentum is is getting rooted in. Um, Jupiter working together with Neptune suggests that we are opening to a, a kind of greater intelligence that intuitively we're able to grasp larger and more complex truths. Um, potentially that our altruism and uh, empathy is growing. And even maybe contrary to a, a lot of what we might see um, at play in the political sphere, especially, I think more and more people um, individually and collectively are coming to a place where we want something else. We want something um, that's different. We want to live in more accord and in more harmony. So notice how you are starting to be stirred up, where your motivation is coming from, and what you feel like you can start to put into action. And again, just these next couple of, of days, uh, 10 days or two weeks or so, there's a lot that needs to be let go of. So also notice where are limiting belief patterns or old stories or old ways of doing things starting to feel frustrating, starting to bring up confusion and um, not satisfying you anymore. Also, over the course of these next 30 days or so, um, Venus will move from Aries into Taurus. So Venus moved into Aries um, a couple of weeks ago on February 7th. Uh, Venus in Aries is a symbol of the, the love of individuality, the need to assert one's own space and autonomy, the love of challenge, the love of, um, you know, excitement and adventure. And Venus in Aries can be somewhat challenging for relationships of all kinds because we want to do our own thing. We want to be ourselves and it can be hard to, to find our way um, into agreement with one another. Um, Venus is going to make a, a couple of hard aspects to uh, what's happening in Capricorn. So Venus will square Jupiter on February 23rd, it will square Pluto on the 28th, and it will square Saturn on March 2nd. And for the the course of these next couple of weeks, as we move through these hard aspects, there may be a lot that's coming up in relationship in ways that we need to work to understand um, how we do assert our individuality. And one thing that I definitely want to say is that the concept of the individual and the concept of self has been largely shaped by capitalism and these kind of structures that many of us are um, very much shaped by in our lives. And how we interact with one another and feel our own frustrations to assert ourselves, to do our own thing, um, this is a place that definitely can benefit from our curiosity. When are we relating to each other and relating to ourselves because of how we're relating to some larger dominant worldview that tells us who we should be in our lives and what we should be prioritizing and how we should be um, acting and engaging. And we can take some time to pause and to feel it out and to kind of feel into where we do need to assert ourselves, um, where greater rela relationality and harmony can actually serve us. Um, so as you work with your relationships, notice what 
arises when it comes to larger societal constructs, your gender, your class, your race, your privilege, for sure. And also um, ambitions, aspirations, ways of being that have been given to you by media, that have been given to you by a larger kind of cultural narrative. Where do you uh, want to engage with these ideas and where are you ready for something else? Venus will move into Taurus on March 6th and on the 8th, also the day before the full moon and the day that the sun conjuncts Neptune, Venus will conjunct Uranus. And this is an exceptional moment. Um, so the full moon on March 9th uh, is preceded by the day of the dark moon on March 8th when we've got two pretty powerful conjunctions, the sun conjunct to Neptune and Venus conjunct to Uranus. And this is the day when I feel like, oh my God, there is a lot that can shift. The following day, Mercury will turn direct and we'll have that full moon in Virgo. And um, this I see as a, as a potential for some pretty big recognition and the setting of a new pattern. And that is what I think Pisces season is bringing us is um, the setting of some new layer of pattern. And there's a lot that we can do this month. There's a lot that we can feel. Um, there's a lot that we can connect to. So some evolution strategies for Pisces season. And this is um, definitely for the next 30 days and also for the rest of our lives. Number one is the strategy of embodiment, getting present. Um, if we want to connect to the here and now, if we want to take advantage of uh, our interconnections, if we want to develop our intuition, if we want to work in the flow with our lives, then we want to be present. We don't want to check out. We don't want to distract ourselves. We don't want to shut down and become non-relational. And so many of us are in those states of shutdown and distraction and numbing out. And um, how could we not be on some level? We're functioning in a state of global trauma and we need to heal that trauma. And so embodiment is one of the ways that we can heal. I mentioned at the beginning that I think embodiment is um, one of the most political choices that we can make to really feel ourselves, to be present with ourselves right now means that we can't ignore each other. We can't ignore the situation of our planet and our world. Um, we can't ignore our intuition. We have to listen. So embodiment is a practice of listening. Um, Tara Brock is an amazing mindfulness teacher that probably a lot of listeners um, know about and have listened to. If you haven't ever heard of her, I definitely recommend checking out her podcast. Um, her name is Tara, T-A-R-A, Brock, B-R-A-C-H. And she has a couple of episodes that are fairly recent. Um, I think one is called Living Presence and the other um, has something to do with, with working with pain, but they're um, a kind of part one and part two. And she talks a lot about embodiment and she gives a really simple strategy for embodiment in the episode for living presence, um, which is very similar to a lot of what I've talked about and, and guided in the somatic meditations is just awareness, you know, tuning in right now, what would happen if you really brought all of your attention right down into your hand and you just felt what it is to be inside of your hand. When we really tune in to our bodies, we have to get underneath the story 
of our bodies. And when we really tune in to sensation, then we notice how sensation is always changing and sensation is interconnected. This living presence is a reverence practice. It is a sacredness practice. And to some extent, it is a faith practice or a surrender practice. When we really tune in, um, we give ourselves, we surrender to pure awareness and we let go of our mentally driven drives for control. Um, Tara introduces a, a strategy for healing and for awareness around pain that is brilliant and um, very simple and you've probably done it or been exposed to something like this before. I've often heard um, people talk about this as a method of titration. Um, so a little bit of one thing and then another thing and going back and forth between different states and different um, layers of awareness. And so one of the things that she talks about when we're working with a lot of pain, and I think that that includes physical pain as well as emotional pain or psychological pain, is giving ourselves um, an alternative. And so if you're going through a lot of pain um, or confusion or overwhelm, to give yourself um, a, another anchor. So to um, meditate on, to reflect on uh, another sensation in your body or an experience or a relationship somewhere that feels good or that at least feels neutral. And then to practice focusing on that other feeling and allowing it to permeate your awareness and then returning to the sensation of pain and when you go back and forth like this, um, what I think kind of naturally comes up is the ability to be in the state where there's awareness of pain without total identification with it, because you're also remembering and reconnecting to this other space. And then when you're in the state of awareness around pain, you can actually notice that pain travels, that it moves, that it has um, maybe different kinds of voices or different kinds of needs arise. And you can get curious about pain. You can start to listen to it. And when I talk about Pisces' main lesson as its gem of being one of deep listening and intuition or embodied presence, um, this is exactly what I'm talking about. So when distress arises, it's natural that consciousness will gather around distress and it will start to identify with it. But if we can be with distress from a, a kind of larger, more um, open and intuitive space, when we can listen underneath the distress, oftentimes we'll find that there are really important messages. And I've certainly had this experience, and I imagine you have too, where when I connect to the source of my distress, be it physical pain or emotional pain or some kind of psychological distress, if I really start to listen um, fairly closely underneath the surface of whatever the distress is, I find that there's a very clear message. Oh, I'm doing something that's hurting my body. I've been doing it every day. Um, my body doesn't want to be doing this be anymore. Or 
oh, there's a way that I am engaging in relationship that's actually dishonoring of myself or of another person. Um, or, you know, there, there might be all different kinds of messages. And those messages themselves might be um, challenging to work with. So they might require a letting go of something, a letting go of a habit, a reorienting or a reorganization around a certain way of being. But if we can listen and if we can um, start to integrate and embody the wisdom that we hear, then what happens is we get into the flow. We start to work with ourselves rather than against ourselves. And in Pisces season, this is one of the, the things that I think has the most potential to arise. I think there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of feelings to come up. Um, particularly with this Mercury retrograde, there are a lot of feelings that could come up, a lot of experiences that could feel overwhelming, that could feel drastic, that can feel really scary. If we can do the work to pause and listen, at least to some extent, to, to pacify ourselves, to calm the spaces that otherwise would be reactive or instinctual or obsessive, there are most likely really important and valuable lessons just underneath the surface. Another tool for evolution in Pisces season is waking up in the dream. It's the title of this episode. What are we living in? Why has all of this been constructed? Whose dream was this anyway? Why did we build the cities that have been built? Why are the institutions that uh, we all have to navigate what they are? What is this dream? Where is it coming from? There's some kind of, of dominant mythology that is functioning so strongly in our world right now. And that dominant mythology has a lot to do with these ideas of something is better on the other side. When I get enough money, when I get enough capital, when I get enough power, when, you know, when I get to God, something is going to be better. The dream that we're all living in is a constructed dream. There's absolutely no decree anywhere that said that we had to build our cities the way that we had to. Many cities are built in different ways. So whose dream was it? Why did we become the thing that we've become? And this dream is still happening. This dream is still evolving. And Pisces teaches us to recognize the dream, to recognize the great illusion. We look out and we see the world as it is, or we see our lives as they are, and we think that they're real. And they are real, and they're completely not real. They change all the time, and this dream is continuing to change, and it's continuing to evolve, and we can participate in shaping the dream. So just like you can practice lucid dreaming, waking up in your dream, recognizing in a dream when you're just following along, you have absolutely no control in the dream to do anything, or waking up in the dream, recognizing I'm dreaming, and then choosing where you focus, where you put your attention, that is a skill, and that is something um, that you can cultivate. And if you're a person who's working to develop your intuition, that's definitely a really good skill to cultivate, is the ability to wake up in your dreams, to recognize what you want to look for within your unconscious or your subconscious mind. We can do that in our waking life by pausing every day or every couple of hours <laughs> or every few minutes and going, what the fuck is this dream all around me? You know, where did this come from? And sometimes it's going to be horrific. Who built this? Why is it like this? And sometimes it's going to be absolutely sublime. Oh my God. You know, the experience I had last night of looking out on that frozen lake with all the snow, thinking, wow, this is a dream. This feels like a dream. And in a, 
in a moment, in 12 hours, I'm going to wake up and it will have been a dream. No, it's temporary. So what are you experiencing? Recognize the, the moment that you are waking up in as waking up within a dream. And then start to ask questions about your own agency within your dream. Where can you direct your dream? Where can you bring attention? What do you want to dream into? And finally, the last evolution strategy um, I'm thinking of for Pisces season is the strategy of uh, creativity and sacredness. And to me, they feel like the same thing, that when we are really working with the power of creativity, that we are working with sacredness. And this earth, the the dream of this planet that we are living on is such a creative dream. And there's so much sacredness on this planet. And as human beings, we have the power to create or destroy and our creations can definitely become destructive. But if we can create from a sense of sacredness, and I do want to say that I believe there's a difference between sacredness that we experience through our interconnections with the entire living whole with one another and our relationships in the earth and what could be called the sacred as an externalized entity or a god that's not part of us that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about recognizing the sacred interconnections when we can create with reverence to those sacred interconnections uh, then i think we can create a beautiful dream. Um, and Neptune and Pisces have a lot to do with sacredness and with creativity. And Pisces is the place in the zodiac where we find um, exquisite beauty, where we find sublime experiences, where we become immersed in sound or sensation or poetry. Um, Pisces rules the theater, the space where we get to let go of our individual lives and um, let ourselves into some kind of alternate reality, um, some, some kind of fantasy or story. And fantasy and story has certainly shaped a lot on this earth. So as we engage with Pisces, let's also engage with our um, sacred creativity and our potential for waking up in our dream and dreaming a new dream. I'm going to leave it there for today. I hope that this Pisces season episode has been interesting for you and that you've enjoyed it. Please make sure to listen to your audio horoscopes for Pisces season and check in with the subscriber offerings. I'm excited about this month's uh, Astro Journal and continuing to work with astrology as somatic score. There are a lot of suggestions for working with embodiment practice and sacred creativity practices in that journal. And um, I'd love to know how it's working for you. How are you engaging with astrology? Um, what are you thinking about? Let me know. Feel free to reach out. You can leave a voice message uh, through the podcast. The link is in the show notes. You can always send me a message on Instagram at Embodied Astrology or connect through my website. I'm wishing you all the best in Pisces season and beyond. Um, make sure to check in with me at the new moon and the full moon for my lunar attunements. You can uh, sign up for my free newsletter and get those sent directly to your inbox. Follow me on Instagram where I'll be posting them. And um, yeah, much love to everyone. Happy Pisces season. 
bye bye for now